And back with more in your corner. If you don't know the number, here it is, uh, 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca to reach out through email, which we'll get to here in just a bit. First, the week that was is the way we kick off the show. Savan, what do you got? So, John, I have an interesting uh, long-term disability case that I want to bring uh, to, to your attention and to the listener's attention. It's an interesting one because it deals with uh, what we talk about often, which is a recurrence clause in mm-hmm. LTD policies. And what that means is that if you are disabled and the insurance company pays you for your disability, and then you want to try to go back to work, uh, and you try to go back to work with a doctor's approval, and you're unable to continue working, meaning that the return to work failed, you should be able within a certain timeline to go back on LTD without waiting the elimination period, which is a period of time you have to wait before getting paid. Uh, and, and in this individual, uh, or in this situation, I was contacted by this individual who's 54 years old, uh, a forklift operator, and um, this person uh, was diagnosed with an adjustment disorder, uh, depression, anxiety, and a whole slew of other mental health types of issues uh, w- which which were preventing him from working. And he was approved uh, first for short-term disability from March to July of this year. Then uh, the person applied for LTD and uh, in that instant uh, was, was approved for a certain period of time uh, for, for, for several months. And then the person tried to go back to work uh, with the doctor's okay, and uh, the return to work attempt did not succeed. This was all documented by the employer. The person was simply unable to do the job right. uh, that he was supposed to be doing, or, or any job, frankly, at that point. I mean, he simply, he just crashed and burned, really, trying to go back to work. He tried to go uh, back to the insurance company, the adjuster, to say, listen, I, I haven't been able to sustain that work. I've only been there for a few days, and it hasn't gone very well. And the adjuster said, no, sorry, based on the letter from your doctors or the letters from your doctors uh, from a few weeks ago saying that they think you're ready to go back to work, based on that, we're not going to allow you to go back on LTD, which again, should not happen. But we see this time and time again where people legitimately try not to be on LTD. They try to go back to work, which James and I tell people to do all the time. Mm -hmm. If you're able to go to work, If your doctors have cleared you to go back to work, then you should be going to work. You should not be simply lying on your couch and, you know, collecting LTD payments or government uh, payments. You should go to work if you can. But conversely, if you're unable to, if that return to work attempt failed, you should be able to go back on LTD. And what happens in many cases, just as with this individual here, the insurance company says no. No, we disagree. We were looking at the, the, the letters that your doctors wrote. And this is where it becomes really, you know, uh, important when you speak with your doctors, if you do want to try to go back to work, it's important for your doctors not to write that they think that you are okay to go back to work, right? Just just blanketly like that, unless it's, that's in fact what they think. What's more appropriate is for them to say, we think that at this point in time, uh, it's 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 a possibility that maybe this person is ready to go back. Sort of put it in a in a not not conclusive terms, but you know give you a way out if in fact the return to work does not succeed, because insurance companies will uh, uh, focus on those letters and they will use those letters against you down the road if your if your your attempt to go back to work fails. They will tell you we're not going to put you back on claim, and then you're in a situation where you have to decide well what do I do now? Well, this person did the right thing. He contacted us. 
We're going to be able to help them. We're going to get new letters from the doctor saying, we thought that person was ready to go back to work. They're clearly not ready because it did not work out. Everything's documented. We will be able to get the insurance company to either reinstate this person, to put them back on LTD, or to come to the table and resolve the claim on some kind of a global uh, sum basis, something that's equitable, and make sure that this person gets paid what they're supposed to get paid under the policy. I agree with everything that you're saying. It's all excellent advice. But... It's not really a but. I think you have to take a look at the perspective of somebody who is contemplating the decision about whether or not to go back to work. And in that scenario, yes, take all of the advice that you have said. Before you do that, though, make sure that you are mentally ready to really give it a shot, that you really do feel optimistic that you have a good chance of succeeding. Because if you try to go back and you don't succeed, it will get difficult. The insurer will try and use against you, as they have here. And you can do all of these things to put yourself in a better position down the road to dispute the denial when it inevitably comes, but much better to not get to that point. So when you are thinking about going back to work, ask yourself the very hard question. Do I really believe I'm going to be able to succeed? And hopefully the answer is yes. And if it is, by all means, try and go back to work because if you're able to do so, it is so much better for you on every level. But don't do it until you're ready to do it, until your doctors agree that you are capable of doing it. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And in fact, on that point, often when I see people trying to go back to work, it's not because they were mentally ready or even physically ready. It's because they felt that they were being pressured by their adjuster, by the insurance company. People will contact us and tell us, you know, we feel pressured. The insurance company is saying, you have to try to go back to work. No, you don't. You absolutely do not have an obligation uh, to make your health worse. You have no obligation to the insurance company against medical advice to try and return to work. Absolutely not. And, and, and you know, this is what you need to understand. They can't force you to go back to work. What they can do, which, you know, they, they rarely do, but what they can do is they can threaten to cut you off if you don't try. Generally, they will not come out and just say that. Uh, they will use pressure tactics and bullying tactics. And what you do to counter that is you make sure that you document your conversations yeah. with them via email. Uh, you make sure that that uh, instantaneously, I would say, after you speak with them, you email them and say, this is what you said. This is the reason why I don't feel that I'm able to go back to work. Make sure that your doctors are on board. If your doctors uh, believe that you cannot go back to work, get that updated report, updated letter from your doctor. Give that to the insurance company. Trust me, they will not cut you off. But if they do, you will be in a prime position for us to be able to act for you and to force the insurance company to the table because they would be breaking the law if, if they did that. Take a short break, guys. Get to some emails and other questions. In the meantime, one 821 5900 to reach out. You want to send along an email? No problem. Help at inyourcorner.ca. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. In Your Corner continues, one 821 5900 and help at inyourcorner.ca is the uh, the email address. You know, you were talking about three or four times there, Savannah, the first break, you talked about the insurance company saying, nope, 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 nope. They like to dig their heels in. So let's talk about settlements uh, with insurance company. When you guys take on a case, often they change their tune and they try to settle with you right away. It's amazing how they do a 180 on that. Why is that? What kind of changes come into the picture and what kind of settlements can you have with an LTD insurer? So John, here's the thing. It's going to shock, I think, a lot of your listeners. I love talking about settlements, but even more than that, insurance companies love to engage in settlements and love to, to settle cases. And the reason for that is very simple. Because once we start a legal claim and they have to hire a lawyer to defend that claim, 
I've said this before and I'll say it again, they are now bleeding money. They are now getting invoices from that lawyer and that lawyer's firm defending them on a monthly basis that they have to pay. And they know that as soon as they settle with us, they don't have to pay their lawyers anymore. So you have to understand that. And I, uh, before I get to the, to, to the meat of, of, of the questions that you had here, John, I can tell you that just last week, uh, I'm handling a claim, several claims in BC. We have an office in Vancouver. It's a long-term disability claim. And uh, the insurance company just appointed a defense lawyer because we filed a legal claim for this individual that we're presenting that was cut off LTD unjustly. And uh, we, we had offered to schedule a mediation, which is a formal process in the proceeding. Uh, where we all go together and uh, we negotiate a resolution of the LTD claim. And you know what? That defense lawyer who was just appointed by the insurance company, do you know what his reaction was, John? He said, well, why go to mediation? Why don't we just talk settlement now? (laughs) We just filed the claim. I mean, that tells you something. Just last month, they denied my client their entitlements under the LTD policy saying he doesn't qualify. And now their lawyer that they just hired wants to talk settlement. What does that tell you? So let's get to the meat of the questions that you ask here. Uh, Insurance companies, they will change their tune once we get involved and they'll change their tune for the reason that I gave. There are many other reasons, but that's one of the main reasons that as soon as we get involved and file a legal claim, they are now spending money that before just dealing with you, they didn't really need to spend. Now they have a lawyer or lawyers that are very expensive and now they have to deal with you, uh, with us, and they don't like that. They simply don't like that. Now, in terms of the kinds of settlements that you can have, you can really have generally two types of settlements. The first settlement uh, is one that I would say is more rare, although we're seeing it more and more in our office. And that's when the insurance company essentially backs off altogether and says, you know what? We're not going to admit that we were wrong, but we're going to pay your client what they're owed from the time we denied their claim or cut them off up until now. And going forward, we'll put them back on claim. We're going to start paying them monthly, the LTD amount that we ought to have paid them before we cut them off or when we deny them. So that's called a reinstatement. It's reinstatement with retroactive pay. The more common type of settlement that we see with long-term disability insurers is what's called a global sum settlement. And that's when we negotiate a global sum for what you are owed from the time you were cut off or denied your LTD up until now, as well as going forward. Now, here's the thing. If you are a 30-year-old individual and uh, you're on LTD, and the insurance company wants to settle your claim on the basis of paying you what they owe you for the last six months and let's say two years worth into the future, but you have permanent injuries or a permanent type of an illness that is only gonna get worse, we're never gonna tell you to accept that kind of a settlement. So remember something, while we have the authority, you give us the authority to try and negotiate a settlement for you, whether it's the retroactive plus reinstatement or some kind of a global sum settlement, at the end of the day, you as the client you have the ultimate authority to approve a settlement. You have complete control from beginning to end. And I stress that because I've seen situations, both when I was working for insurance companies as well as when people have switched to me who were represented by other people, where they didn't feel like they had the full authority. So it's important to understand is that there are different types of settlements out there. And the reason we're even talking about the idea of a settlement is because insurance companies love to settle cases. They don't settle all cases, but they love to settle cases because it means that they save money by by not having to pay their lawyers. 
1-855-821-5900. That is the number as we uh, go into a break here. The email address is help at inyourcorner.ca. Janet, your email is up first after we, uh, after we come back. So stick around. Lots more In Your Corner is on the way on Global News Radio. This is In Your Corner. If you have not caught us before or a chance to reach out to Savannah James, 1-855-821-5900 and help at inyourcorner.ca. Just uh, before we get to Janet's email here, James, you had something to say about uh, what we were talking about previous with Savannah. Yeah, you had asked about why insurance companies changed their tune so quickly yeah. after we come aboard. And I agree with everything Savannah said in the last segment, but I have a little bit of a different take on it. I, I see this a little bit differently. The way I look at it is when you apply for benefits, if you're approved or if you are denied or approved and then cut off, whatever the case may be, you essentially are playing on the insurer's home field. They control all of the variables. But it isn't even just like you're playing on their home field. It's like you're playing on their home field and they get to choose the referees. In fact, the (laughs) referees play for their team too. So it is a really, really biased game that they are playing. All of a sudden, when you hire a lawyer, when you bring us in, the game's changing. It's, they don't get to play on their home field. They don't have their home fans anymore. And the referee certainly isn't someone that they're paying. So everything changes for them. The entire field in front of both of you is going to be completely different. It goes from being a completely uphill battle into one where the field is level. And in fact, it's actually probably tilted in your favor the moment we get the file from the insurance company and see everything that they have done. And they know that is sitting out there. And so they are very anxious to come to the table because they don't want what is in that file coming anywhere near open court. So, yeah, they changed their tune very quickly. Email, Janet, you're up next, says, uh, Guys, I applied for CPP disability after being on long-term disability for a year and a half. I just got the denial letter from CPP, and I plan on challenging the denial with my doctors who are very supportive of me. I talked to my LTD adjuster who said that because I was denied CPP disability, I will likely be cut off soon. I don't understand why. Can I challenge the LTD insurer? He said that a letter will be coming soon that will give me the cutoff date and, of course, how to appeal should I call you when I get that letter. Well, Janet, first of all, you did the right thing by calling us now before you even got the letter. And that's what you should do if you're out there and the adjuster is telling you that a cutoff is coming, that they're going to terminate your benefits. And, you know, substantively here in terms of what you're describing to us, Janet, no, the insurance company can't say that because you were denied CPP disability, which is a more difficult test to meet, because of that, they're going to cut off your LTD. They have to make an analysis on the basis of the criteria in your policy, uh, and we'll go into that in a second, and, and, and then match that against the medical documentation that you've been providing to them or your doctors have been providing to them, and then make an assessment as to whether or not you qualify under the policy. Now, clearly in this case, you were getting LTD, so they approved you for LTD. They agreed that under the policy, you are totally disabled, and that's what most LTD policies uh, talk about, this idea of total disability. Now, we've talked about this idea of total disability or this phrase before and you know we've dispelled some of the uh, the myths around that people think that to qualify for total disability under an LTD policy you have to show that you're somehow comatose or brain dead or something like that N- none of that is true absolutely not all you have to demonstrate within the first 2 years is whether or not you can do your own occupation do your doctors confirm that you're unable to do the duties of your own occupation that you can't work in your own job Beyond that two-year mark, 
Again, most policies, uh, the criteria will change, the test will change. The question will be, can you do any occupation right. for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? Those are two different tests, and those two tests are different than the test for CPP disability. And the test for CPP disability is, do you have a severe and prolonged disability that's preventing you from working? Again, there are similarities here, but they're not the same. And there is absolutely no reason, Janet, why the insurance company is going to cut you off LTD because CPP disability denied your claim. I agree. That should not happen. I agree with you completely. I agree with you that there's no way that they should or likely will. And the reason for that, what Janet has told us, is that this information that the adjuster is threatening to cut her off came from a phone call. They haven't written her yet. And they're not likely to ever do that because they know they can't rely on the CPP decision to justify their own. And if they ever did that, they would be laughed out of court. They're well aware of that, and they're never going to put that in writing. And so what you should do if you have an adjuster that is making those kinds of threats and that is implying that the CPP decision is going to have a negative impact on the LTD benefits being paid in the future, you immediately respond with an email. You get off the phone, you say, this is a conversation that we just had. You indicated that because my CPP disability was denied, that I should expect my LTD disability payments to be denied in the near future as well. Don't have to comment on it further than that. Just put it out there. Just simply stating the facts. And you'll get a letter right back, I guarantee you're going to email responding right back. Oh, no, 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 that's certainly not what we meant. And of course, you know, your CPP disability doesn't impact your rights to get LTD. If they don't put that, they're going to put themselves in a very difficult position down the road if they do decide to cut you off. But my suspicion is if the adjuster has any sense at all, they will immediately deny and suggest that you just <laughs> misunderstood what they were saying, which is fine. Great. Now you have them on the record saying that they're not going to be cutting off your benefits because of the CPP denial. So you've at least changed what they're saying to you. Greg, your, uh, your email's up next. You want to send one along? It is help at inyourcorner.ca. The, the number, 1-855-821-5900. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. This is In Your Corner, and to reach out, guys, anytime, it's 1-855-821-5900. If you haven't checked it out yet, another way for you to ask your questions is mydisabilityquestions.com and help at inyourcorner.ca. Again, is the email address. Greg, as promised, up next. Greg says, my long-term disability adjuster keeps saying that I have to try to return to work uh, when my doctors have both said that I can't. I suffer from depression and anxiety. I have lung cancer and I'm getting chemo for it. I don't understand why the adjuster keeps telling me that I need to go back to work when it's clear that I can't. I'm afraid that my payments will be cut off soon and I won't be able to pay the mortgage. I got four kids under 10 and my wife works two jobs. Guys, you got to help me. So, Greg, we can absolutely help you. You're suffering from lung cancer, depression, anxiety. You're getting chemotherapy. I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, but I can't imagine anybody objectively looking at this and coming to the conclusion that you're able to go to work. It just doesn't make any sense. But what is really telling here is that Greg's adjuster keeps telling him that he's going to force him back to work and cut off his benefits if he doesn't. That's different than has written to him saying that the insurer will cut off benefits. And this is what we were just talking about before. If your adjuster is making threats to you over the phone, but not backing that up with a letter in writing explicitly setting out their position, there's a reason for it. They're trying to get you to do something that they know they can't force you to do. And they're trying to suggest to you that they can. 
make them see exactly what it is that they're saying to you in writing. You write down everything that they're saying in a phone conversation and immediately send an email to the adjuster summarizing exactly what they've said. We were just on the phone. You told me that you were going to cut off my benefits if I don't return to work. You just put it out there in black and white. You don't have to use adjectives. You don't have to describe anything else other than the substance of what was said. Put it out there. And I suspect if they are continuing to suggest this verbally but not back it up in writing, that they're going to just come out and deny it and say, oh, no, 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 we're not going to be cutting off your benefits. We were just suggesting that you might think about it or something to that effect. But my guess is they're going to back right off of that position and stop trying to bully you into doing something that you and your entire medical team knows Mm -hmm. that you cannot do, which is much better for you. At the very least, though, if they do actually send that letter down the road, you have documentation of how long this has been going on and the impact that that's likely to have on your condition because there's a mental health aspect to your claim, too. You, you're suffering from depression and anxiety. And having a, an insurance adjuster ignore what is a obvious medical truth and try and force you back to work when you're not getting, when you're not getting any other income coming in other than these benefits is obviously going to have a detrimental impact on your mental health. You know, John, many times when people are told that they're going to be cut off for whatever reason, on the phone, verbally, the letter they get uh, doesn't doesn't reflect what was discussed. And James spoke about that as well, even before this segment. Uh, with, with, I think it was the lady that um, uh, was denied uh, CPP disability, and then the insurance company said that they're going to cut her off LTD because yep. she was denied CPP disability. And, you know, first of all, I see that happen quite a lot. And secondly, I have people contacting me when the letter they receive not only does not reflect uh, what the adjuster told them as the reason for why they're going to be cut off, but in fact, it enumerates other grounds for why it is that their benefits are going to be cut off. So oftentimes, the insurance company will then deny your claim. They won't just deny on one ground. They'll give you two, three, four, five different grounds. I've seen, the most I've ever seen, somebody came to me, and uh, and showed me a a, a, um, uh, a denial letter. It was I think four pages long, almost four pages long. It had twelve reasons for why the insurance company was denying the claim. Incidentally, that file that claim was settled about six seven months later for. Uh, close to $250,000. Yeah, the more reasons they throw at it, the more they they understand that they're in trouble and are just throwing anything at the wall that they think might stick. Not only that, but we also see them shifting the reasons. Yeah. So I would have situations, and I'm sure you've seen that too, James, where the adjuster would say something verbally, then we would get a letter of denial, we would, which would list a different reason than what was said on the phone. The person would then appeal it because they haven't come to us at that point. The appeal denial would list a different reason than the first two reasons, and we would keep seeing this shifting of reasons. And then when the defense lawyer got appointed, we, I would see another ground thrown at me. And you know, my, my response would be not only to just cut down all those reasons for denial and show how illegitimate they are, but say, you know, how would this look to a judge if this ever came to court? That you guys can't make up your mind why it is that my client was unjustly denied. So again, if you get a letter, a denial letter, you know you're disabled, your doctors say you're disabled, the insurance company is saying, here are 100 reasons for why we're not going to pay you. Don't assume that those 100 reasons will stand up in court. Chances are they won't. Chances are, as James put it, they're simply throwing everything at the wall and trying to see what sticks. 
we can tell you based on a conversation with you and looking at some documents whether or not the insurance company whether their denial has any legs to stand on and again if you are disabled and your doctor say you're disabled chances are chances are we can fight the insurance company and force them to the table to pay you what you are owed one 821 5900 could start with a phone call. That would be the number. It is help at inyourcorner.ca. Nina, your email is up next. So if you're listening, stand by. We'll get to yours and carry on with uh, with lots more here. It's In Your Corner on Global News Radio. This is In Your Corner. Savan James answering your emails and your questions. You want to send one along. It is help at inyourcorner.ca. And the phone number anytime. Keep it with you. one 821 5,900. Nina, as promised, uh, your email is uh, is coming up next. As my husband was approved for short-term disability for a heart condition, that makes it impossible for him to uh, exert any effort. His cardiologist wrote that he can't do his occupation. He's an airplane mechanic. Last week, we got a letter from his long-term disability insurer saying that they don't think he's disabled from working. This was our second appeal, and we already submitted letters from the cardiologist and family doctor. We're not sure how to proceed. Are there any other programs we could apply for for for, uh, financial assistance? So, uh, Nina, first of all, there are other programs. I mean, there is CPP disability that we talk about. There are other types of social assistance depending on the qualifications and whether or not uh, you and your husband would qualify. Uh, But, you know, I want to get to the heart of the email here, which is this. If the cardiologist said that this person can't work, there is no reason for the insurance company to have denied the claim on the basis that they think that he can work. That's really what you need to take uh, uh, from this. And and again, we see this time and time again. And, and, you know, John, listen to how Nina phrases the question. She doesn't ask us uh, if we can help with the LTD. She's asking us if there are other programs that she and her husband can access for financial assistance. And this is tragic for me because I think there are a lot of people out there in that same situation. They think that once the insurance company shuts the door in their face, that they have no recourse and we can't open that door. So they look for other doors to open. And yeah, there are other doors to open, but you are entitled to that money. Premiums were paid to the insurance company, either by you, your employer, or both. There is no reason for the insurance company to be holding on to that money. And at the end of the day, like I said, as long as your doctors are saying you cannot work, or you should not work because of your disability, because of your illness, your injury, or a combination of both, we can force the insurance company to pay you what you are owed. But you have to trust us that we know what we're doing. And don't trust the insurance company. Don't think that you have no power against them because you do. You have a lot more power than you think. All right, Isaac, uh, you're up next, my friend. Isaac says, my brother was rejected for long-term disability because the insurance adjuster says that they don't think he is totally disabled. He is 32 years old and works as a licensed electrician. He was in an accident last year at the cottage where he almost drowned and he suffered a lack of oxygen that resulted in some brain damage. The doctors are still trying to figure out uh, what his prognosis is, but at this point, he lives with me and my wife and uh, we're taking care of him because he can't live on his own. I'm just wondering if he has any recourse against the insurance company. We are in the process of appealing that denial with the help of his neuro- neuropsychiatrist who thinks that the insurer is completely wrong and that he is definitely unable to work. Well, I, I'm going to address this question, Isaac, about your brother, but I think there is a bigger issue, and Saban's probably picked up on this as well, too. So first of all, absolutely, we can certainly challenge the decision of the long-term disability insurer 
it sounds from base uh, what you're describing based on what you're describing it sounds very clearly that your brother is in no condition to be able to work either at what he was doing before or, for, or frankly at any job going forward unless something significantly changes which sounds quite unlikely but the other issue and one i think that needs to be considered is whether or not there is the ability to make some kind of a claim for the accident itself now, the way Isaac's describing this, he said that there was an accident last year at the cottage. I'm not sure whether that means it's his brother's cottage or maybe the family cottage or something, you know, something like that. If it wasn't, if it wasn't your brother's cottage, if he's not the one who owned the cottage, if it was your parents' cottage or even your cottage, then Isaac, Isaac, your brother does have recourse. He can bring a claim against whoever the owner is. Now, the idea here isn't that your brother is going to try and get money out of you or your parents or whoever owns it. But typically speaking, if you have a cottage, you likely have an insurance policy, a homeowner's policy mm -hmm. that would cover any accidents like this, any third-party injuries. And he would be able to bring a claim naming whoever the owner of the cottage was. But essentially what you're doing is you're engaging whoever issued the insurance policy. So that insurance company is going to pay up to whatever the policy limits are. And that can be a significant amount of money. Might be one or two million dollars that's available there to help I, to help your brother Isaac to pay for whatever medical treatment he needs, any lost income over and above what he's owed by the long-term disability carrier, um, anything that's out of pocket for, and several other claims as well that we probably don't have enough time to go into here. But I really want to explore that aspect of the claim before we just settle on focusing for what might be available and, in fact, what frankly is available through the LTD insurer. Yeah, and I think this is an important time to talk about the fact that we don't just deal with long-term disability claims, but we deal with any forms of injury, uh, be it from a car accident or a cottage incident, uh, uh, slip and falls, things like that. We see those often. And in fact, I have a mediation uh, coming up where uh, we have several insurance companies at the table because my client not only was cut off LTD, but also was injured in a car accident. And as a result of that, there are two insurance companies that we're engaged with. So there are going to be three insurance companies at that settlement conference. And, and I'm pretty sure we're going to resolve the claim. So, you know, if you or someone you know has been injured, in, in any way because of someone's negligence, then we can probably help you or at the very least give you the information you need to determine how to proceed with that claim should you wish to pursue it. If you haven't checked it out yet, uh, mydisabilityquestions.com is a place for you to uh, throw some questions up there and get Savannah and his team to answer them rather quickly. There is a drop-down menu. You can search for your question. It may have been answered and uh, in, in depth, so check that out before you head off and type in your own question, mydisabilityquestions.com. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at inyourcorner.ca. Monica, your email is up next on In Your Corner on Global News Radio. Back to In Your Corner, number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at inyourcorner.ca. Monica, your email's up next. Monica says, writes in, guys, as my husband was let go from his job recently and he was just in the process of applying for long-term disability. After receiving short-term disability from his employer, he suffers from heart issues and has been told by his doctors that he must remain off work. We are concerned about him being denied LTD because he's been let go from his job. What should we do if that happens? So, uh, Monica, first of all, very sorry for what uh, you and your husband are going through. Uh, two issues here that I want to I talk about. Number one, the fact that he was let go from his job. Uh, you probably know from uh, listening to, to uh, Lior, our partner, who does uh, the employment hour, uh, your husband is owed 
uh, not only severance, but likely human rights damages as a result of being let go uh, while he is in fact disabled. He was in the process of applying for disability. So that's very, very important to understand. And it's it's also going to play into uh, the analysis I'm going to give you with respect to the long-term disability issue. Uh, so the law is fairly clear that if the disability arose while your husband had coverage, in other words, it doesn't matter that he's now doesn't have coverage because he's been let go from his job. If he became disabled while he was employed or while he had insurance coverage for LTD, then then that that date of disability, that's the key thing here. It means that he should be able to get LTD. doesn't matter that he doesn't have coverage going forward. What matters is the day he became disabled or the time frame he became disabled and when he had coverage. If those two overlap, then he should have coverage. That said, insurance companies have in the past and still do, despite what the law is, uh, take the position that because you have no coverage for LTD, we're not going to cover you. We're going to deny you. And I think this is why you are so concerned, Monica, and this is why you're, you're getting in touch with us. And I can tell you this. If, in fact, you do get a denial, uh, your husband gets a denial here on the basis that he has no coverage, you let me know immediately because I can tell you that we can help. We will be able to force the insurance company to either put him on claim or settle with you for whatever your husband is is owed under the policy. That's number one. Number two, we, we don't want to leave out the whole severance issue here. And again, we have to deal with both issues at the same time, not just the LTD, but also the severance in human rights because he was let go. And why that's important? Because the vast majority of uh, LTD policies contain provisions that gives the insurance company a deduction or a credit for any severance you get if you're let go. And so let, let, let's just put this in, in monetary terms, Monica. Let's say your husband is owed $40,000 in severance and he's also denied LTD and we go after the LTD insurer. The LTD insurer is going to say that whatever we have to pay you for LTD, we get a credit for that $40,000 that your husband got for severance because under the policy, we're entitled to that credit. But guess what? If we deal with the employment issue here, and the severance is not 40000 it's 20000 and in addition, he gets 20000 in human rights damages because the employer here breached the human rights code by letting you go while you're disabled. The insurance it. company cannot touch mm-hmm. that. So they may get credit for the 20000 in severance, but not the 20000 in human rights damages. So you see, very important to understand, and we have at the firm not only disability lawyers like James and myself, but also employment lawyers and some of the best ones in the country. So again, don't be don't be shy, don't be hesitant. Uh, obviously, we can't help you with the LTD claim right now because we don't know if he'll get approved or not. I hope that you don't need our help for LTD. I hope that he gets approved, but certainly we can help your husband with the severance and the human rights issue that arises from his termination of employment. Sarah's email is up next here in the last couple of minutes, guys. Sarah says, "My mother slipped on ice last winter as she exited her local grocery store. She broke her right knee and needed a knee replacement." We had to redo our apartment and are still helping with her a lot of things around the house because she can't uh, do stuff by herself, can't walk by herself now, needs help around the house. My mother's friend who was with her when she fell took photos of the area of the fall right after and there was no salt or sand anywhere, just large patches of ice. Who is responsible for this and can my mother get something for all the pain she has suffered? Sarah, thanks a lot for the email. So certainly uh, there are going to be several people that we could bring a claim against as a result of this accident. And I'm going to go through that. But I also want to say that I'm, I'm very happy that your mother had a friend who was willing to go and take photographs. That's very helpful, especially when 
you're dealing with a slip and fall type of injury on ice or snow, it's important that you get a photograph as soon as possible so that we're able to preserve exactly what the condition was of the area where the fall happened. So that's critical. That's great that that happened. In terms of who would be responsible in the circumstance, well, it could be any number of different parties. Certainly, whoever the owner of the property where the fall happened would be a named defendant. Let's say, for example, it was in a retail complex and the owner had leased that particular area to a tenant. The Whoever the leasing tenant was might also be a named defendant, in fact, probably would. In some circumstances, the owner or the person leasing will hire a property manager to make sure that everything is attended to. And sometimes they will outsource winter maintenance to a winter maintenance contractor. So any one of those parties might be responsible at the end of the day for this accident. And frankly, we would name all of them and let them sort out who was actually on the hook because we really don't care. As long as they are all insured, and in virtually all cases they are, there's going to be sufficient money there to pay for whatever medical and rehabilitative expenses that your mother has incurred. And also there would be compensation for you and your family for the services you provided to your mother and caring for her since this accident has happened. And were there any loss of income? There's likely enough money from all of those different parties to cover that as well. So certainly there's a lot that can be done and we're happy to help. We are done for the day, guys. Nicely done. Some excellent information there. You want to reach out, get a hold of uh, Savannah or James or the rest of their team. It is no problem. one 855 821-5900, help at inyourcorner.ca, and as mentioned a few times, and we refer to it uh, at least once a show, that is mydisabilityquestions.com. Till next time, this is In Your Corner on Global News Radio.